for me personally, it does not feel very like organic to be interfacing with the world in a way in which I need to be selling myself all the time or need to be proving that I'm a certain way all the time. Um, and that to me is asking me to like really associate with some sort of identity. And to me, that's kind of like, whoa, that's, that's a big ask, I guess. This is the podcast, Creative at the Wheel, and I'm Julie Clare. As a transformational life coach and creativity guide, my life's work is helping people reshape their lives from the inside out. Here, I have deep dive conversations with luminaries who share about their own transformational journeys and how they became soul-sourced and creatively juiced. May their stories uplift and embolden all of us. Let's jump in. Today, my guest is Alex Stoller. I've been wanting to talk with Alex ever since I ran into her card, her beautiful set of the new archetypes, an Oracle deck set. And the artwork in black and white was so fresh and I, I was glued to them. And it was uh, someone I know that had the deck and I was looking at them and I know I, I wanna meet the person who did these drawings, who did this artwork. And that is Alex Stoller. So today I get to talk with Alex. I also want you to know that Alex has taught Feldenkrais Method and is a multiple time acupuncture school dropout obsessed with Chinese medicine and is an artist and have been drawing since a child, never far from a sketchbook. And we're talking in New Mexico and we're going to jump in. Welcome in, Alex. Hello. Thank you for having me. Hello. You're welcome. So I found I'm going to start with the deck because, you know, I love fresh original art that just feels alive. And it just, this deck to me hums of aliveness and the black and white dress uh, drawings. Uh, and I know that people just listening to this can't see the images, but that's okay because we have talked since and uh, I find your relationship to art and how that might be also connected with who you are when you show up to healing uh, a beautiful story of energy and alignment. There's the images I've never seen before. Very, very contemporary. Um, and uh, give us, why don't you give us the names of a few of the cards or I can read them out right in front of me. Yeah. Um, if you have the deck, maybe you could read okay. them out, but I can, and I can. I'm pulling up. I'm pulling them up. Just like you said, the yuppie, <laughs> the trustafarian, transference, the throwback millennial, and the thespian, for instance. Huh? Yeah. What can you tell us about how this deck started? Or, or, or now let's just start even like who you are as somebody who draws and how did that start? Like who is Alex the drawer? Yeah. Um, well, I've been drawing since childhood and it's always been something that I do. Um, often to just kind of get stuff out. Um, and I've found that it's a really useful way for me to express things that I don't find that I have the like either medium or language to express in other um, realms or walks of life. Um, this particular deck I can talk about a little bit. It, um, it came to be, so I'm a millennial and I have been really interested in like how much I notice like 
people in my generation brand themselves and like want to appear certain ways and we have social media and all of that stuff and um noticed also recently like in the last maybe five years that I've seen like a lot of things about um the zodiac and the tarot and just like more kind of um divination based things that people are like posting about or or writing about or something so um basically decided I would start drawing some of what I was seeing um and it pretty quickly just turned into a deck and I was just like oh I need to like make representations of all of these like types of people that I see around and these ways in which people want to like portray themselves or like showing different personae to the world um specifically I think like to be honest like Instagram was a very big inspiration mm. for me because when I go on Instagram and I have a very small following on Instagram. It's just, it's literally just people I, I know from my life, um, from school or from, uh, childhood or things like that. And, um, a lot of these people are like, definitely like projecting different, like archetypes onto who they're showing themselves to be, um, on Instagram. And I, I think it's fascinating. So I, I think, um, if that makes sense, that's kind of. Yeah. I mean, I hear it is like you're relating to the world you're seeing around you, but particularly mm -hmm. feeling that there's something around your generation or being a millennial that you're saying, like there, there's something that you're tuning into, um, and images and that you, 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 I remember before you said that something about you draw better than you talk, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it feels, and I was thinking about that. If, so it feels easier for me in a lot of ways to produce an image um, or to translate a thought I have into an image than it is for me to say it or write it or um, express it in, in language, I guess is, is is what um and i i just i find it a much freer way of of expression than than language and yeah so that's always been kind of how i related to to i get it lying. I totally get it. And so we're daring to actually go into words here and I yeah. appreciate it. I appreciate it. I know some, no, oh, I think you are great, but I understand that we have these ways of aligning and sometimes we'll be in a painting session with somebody and they'll want to speak about it. And the words are hard to coming because it's all happening in the image. But I, mm -hmm. I every time I, you know, the last couple of times we've talked, I, I love it. So I'm totally I interested even in the words. And when you started this deck, just creative wise, was it just like, I'm starting a deck or I'm just going to start drawing just because you're always drawing. And then you yeah. started, you kept drawing. Yeah. How did that happen? What did that, how did, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was the latter. So basically I didn't have the conception of, of making a whole deck at all. It was, um, I was actually on, on Christmas of 2020 
on a Zoom meeting with family and my cousin was giving a tarot reading to to relatives and I just thought it was really funny and or just like a, it was just like a funny kind of contextual thing where he's like giving these readings and then I just started thinking about it and I started researching the artwork in the tarot decks and and it's amazing artwork and um I I was just like that would be cool my that would be cool stylistically to kind of think about working in that way. And so it just kind of planted a seed. And then a few months later, I was talking to a friend on the phone about uh, astrology and we were um, just kind of general things. And then I, I sort of got an idea during that conversation about it would be cool to draw like Zodiac archetypes. And then I was like, it would be really interesting to modernize them or make them like millennial based or like, um, yeah, I'm interested a lot in like art, us interfacing with technology. I, I, I'm not a huge fan of it, but like, I'm very interested in how it's changing us. And so those ideas all kind of coalesced. And then I think like maybe a night or two later, I sat down with my sketchbook and I started drawing a few of these kind of characters that I had conceived of. And then I, I think I posted them on Instagram and people were really responding to them. And I was like, this is interesting. And so I kept drawing them and I kept posting them. And then within a few weeks, um, had a few messages from a few different people being like, you're making a deck, aren't you? And I was like, hmm, I, I guess I am. Um, and then, you know, I sat down with pen and paper and uh, I brainstormed with, there. I have a couple of close friends who I just love kind of like bouncing off ideas uh, back mm-hmm. and forth with. And we were like, oh, this would be a really funny person to draw. Oh, you should draw this person or like this, you know? And then, and we all kind of know people who like, look like this person or act like this person. So it was all just like, oh, I know exactly what I'm going to do. And, and pretty soon it was like, okay, we've got 54. Um, let's do it. Let's make a deck. Um, and then it was just designing like the back of it and the booklet. And um, I would say, let's look at one. Let's look at the throwback millennial. Okay. And, okay. And um, Tom, do you remember what's on this card? Yeah, it's like a it's like a woman who's like looking over her shoulder and she's got like a retro kind of outfit on and there's like uh with some roller skates and like a, a Rolling Stones album or something. Is that right? Sunglasses. Yeah, I was wondering whose album that was. That's why I was hoping that you could tell me. And the hearts, the two are the sunglass hearts, right? Yes, they're like heart-shaped sun, like the low sunglasses. Why is it that I laugh when I see this? I mean, it's there's, there's, there's an amusement, there's a fun and, um, and you, you worked with ink. Is that right? Black ink? Yeah. Yeah. I like to work with, I worked with, I worked with markers for the deck, um, like black ink markers, um, India ink markers. Wow. Yeah. I love it. What, what's your love India ink? I love Indian too. What's your sense of it now? You've got all these images and kind of identities and, uh, and specifically through the eyes of a millennial is what I hear you saying and what you're saying in the millennial world. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your sense? Are you proud of the cards or as a, someone who's always drawn and as an artist, what, 
What's your sense of these? What, what is this like for you to having done this? Because that's a pretty big achievement. I mean, for you, it sounds like you did it in a short amount of time, but it, felt, it feels very potent. It feels like it was right timing. So yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, I don't know. I've <laughs> I'm kind of like this is interesting that I did this. Um, I don't. Again, it wasn't like a premeditated project. It was something that just kind of happened. And what interests me is that there's such a style to them. Like the cards cohere very well and. I definitely do have a style, but um, these cards like very much go together, I guess. And I, I didn't expect that with like how easy it would be to make a set of um, cards in this one style, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. There's a lot of black. I'm, I, that's something I'm just, I can't escape from. I love using a lot of black um does that make sense uh, yeah and you've got a bit of a critique about spiritual materialism i know because we talked before yeah. what's it like to make a deck of cards that you can use as divination and are also for sale what's your yeah that's so that that's kind of like the, the funny twist of of irony i remember reaching out to a friend who <laughs> i was like oh i'm making this fake oracle deck and he was just like why would you make a fake oracle deck there's already so many misled people and I was just like that's <laughs> I, I laughed at first but then I was just like that's kind of a, a point but I don't know I don't know if my intention was for this to be for divination I think it was more to kind of satirize what I see which is such a intersection of capitalism with spirituality and like such a branding of spirituality. And so many people um, like, like there's like, it's very much in vogue right now to make it apparent to people that you're a spiritual person. And I mean, I'm in Santa Fe. So like, that's, kind of a vibe here but like that's like that's kind of like the trend in the um in the main right now and I just I find that fascinating because in a way capitalism and branding and like what we're being asked to do as workers these days and as people these days on social media and dating apps and whatever it is is to like brand yourself which to me feels very much like it's like the anti-spirituality and now what's trendy is to brand yourself as spiritual which is like wait what um so i i think there was a way in which i wanted like to make this deck to kind of like highlight that or um yeah and to not even and this is actually one of my favorite things about art is that you don't have to like blatantly go out there and critique something. You can, I, I mean, I'm drawn to sort of like more provocative themes and like more kind of like, um, yeah, like risque types of, of images maybe. But what I love about art is you can present an image 
and you don't have to be like saying what you think of it. It can just be like, here's this image. And like, people can take it as they, um, as they will. Um, so I don't know if that makes sense or if I've strayed. It only makes sense. And, and I have to say, when I was first looking at the deck of cards, I think what happened is first off, I, lo- I love the images, but and there is also, uh, I had this amusement because I was seeing myself in so many of the cards. Mm. So like there's a card called the healer and I'm like, oh, I'm totally, totally yeah. partly that healer. And for some reason, it it brings me joy to have that kind of external linear representation of that scene. Like, I'm, oh yeah, I totally, totally am that. <laughs> like that's how, and then also there's the spiritual slut, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know. Then there's the ally, all lives matter. And um, just a lot of them, and I said that, and for, so for me, what I was taking at Alex was, it almost helped me dissolve and not take myself so seriously. And all those things became mm. so obvious to be kind of like artifice that it re- I relaxed mm. looking at them. So for me, it was very relaxing because, that. yeah, that's what got me. That's Still very does. cool. I like hearing that. Still does. I mean, and you know, so what would you, do you have a relationship with identity shedding identities? Because I do hear the, uh, your relationship with, you know, being a Feldenkrais um, teacher and being quite, I think, evolved and mature in your acupuncture. I don't know, but it's my sense. We haven't talked directly about that, but not having the degree yet. Is there, is there a kind of a tension with you with identities or is that not much to do with Mm-hmm. your life. Yeah, massively. I think, and and this is a nice intersection between kind of like identity and healing for me. Cause like, I'm very interested in like the pathology of identity and like how I think there's a way in which, cause I'm interested in illness because of, well, I've struggled with, with illness and I see a lot of illness sort of in our culture. And, um, and obviously I'm drawn to Chinese medicine and Feldenkrais. So I've, it's been some, it's been a theme that's been prominent for me. And, and I definitely think whenever we have sort of like chronic illness, there is an identity component um, because there has to be, I mean, if you have been struggling with anything for a certain amount of time, there's an identity involved of, Oh, I'm someone who has, um, GI problems. I'm someone who has headaches. I'm someone who has, it's built into how you conceptualize yourself at that point. And in Chinese medicine, that's like, that's the pericardium. And so you always, I I think that the pericardium is like always involved in, in long-term illness, but the pericardium is also sort of like what, um, helps us conceive of our own identity and gives us like self-consciousness. And so, so yeah, so there is a way for me in which identity can cross over into a pathological place. And I think that's interesting. Um, and it's something I think about a lot. And and I do think it's kind of relates to the deck in a way because um, I do think the way in which a lot of people are being asked to brand and market themselves is a little bit pathological. I don't think we're supposed to be interfacing. Well, it's supposed to be. That's a that's a strong kind of way of framing it. That makes it seem like I know something I don't. But um, 
it for me personally it does not feel very like organic to be interfacing with the world in a way in which I need to be selling myself all the time or need to be proving that I'm a certain way all the time um and that to me is asking me to like really associate with an with some sort of identity and to me that's kind of like whoa that's that's a big ask I guess um, beautiful what how what's your, how what's given you that sense of the I hear a lot of wisdom in what you're saying, but I really do. And I know that for me, uh, I've had to peel away in my own uh, evolution with health over the years, mm-hmm. different identities have had to fall away for me to be in my health. So it, it's, it, it, it jibes for me what you're saying. Mm-hmm. What, what's your sense of the pathology for yourself? Um, what identities are you letting go of? Is that okay to ask? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um. It's really interesting. I, f- I feel like it's, it's almost like what cards, what cards am I? <laughs> um, yeah, right. What cards <laughs> do you respond to? Exactly. Um, I definitely have like the, I definitely respond to the healer. I definitely respond to the art ho. I definitely respond to um, the neurotic <laughs> and um, cottage core. So those are the ones that feel the most like me, but, but I guess with the art ho, there's something about, um, feeling like I'm like unique and different and special and need to be always like a little bit edgy. Um, and I think that there's been like a desire in me to like be like special and different. And I think that's fine, but I also think that it's kind of um, deleterious in that like, I like, (laughs) I'm at a point like in my journey where I, I want to be more like, um, I want things to be simpler and I want things to be more ordinary and I want to feel more like a human. And like, Mm. I think there's a way in which kind of like always wanting to be like different or seem like other is um, at odds with that. If that makes sense. Totally makes sense. Um, And then with the healer, I think that it's kind of more, it's less maybe deep and psychological and more of like something that I've, been studying for many years and I've just run into a lot of obstacles circumstantially because of COVID. And so I'm kind of like, Hmm, is this going to be my career path? I'm not sure. Um, uh, a lot of people are at that point, aren't they being stopped? Yeah. It's an, and having to ask at an, at an unusual point in the process that I think many of us didn't have to do. We kind of did something and then figured it out, but where are you with that? Um, yeah. Uh, with, um, well, I guess feeling stopped because of the yeah. pandemic, are, are you all right waiting it out and seeing, are you, are you, are you trying to make some evaluations at this point or? Yeah. You know, I've gone through phases and I, I feel like the stagnation or the feeling kind of stuck is not very comfortable. And, um, I, yeah, I mean, I I think I am trying to wait it out, but I 
also feel like I want answers. Like I want to know when I'm going to be able yeah. to kind of continue. So I'm kind of going to hold out for a few more months and then I guess maybe reevaluate. Got it. Though. It's, it's so hard to say. And it's, and it's hard to be like, you know, be in the, in the middle. I think I shared with you, I, I was in acupuncture school and the school closed and maybe due to financial reasons or COVID or something. And it's just hard to kind of be like, well, like, am I going to finish that or not? Like, should I bank on the fact that like, I'll be able to practice acupuncture at one point or in my life, or should I just kind of abort that dream or, um, so that, that I get it. But, you know, I have to, I want to interrupt a little bit here because I want to go back just for what you said. There's something when you talked about the, I don't know if you say pericardium, Mm -hmm. I don't know how you say that, but there's always something in chronic illness. To me, I was just glued to your words. Like there was an ease when you were talking or there was a connection when you're talking that I felt was really beautiful. So I'm thinking that might be a little inroad to you as a healer um, or you that shows up when you're uh, in a healing session with somebody or an acupuncture session, but what, what is it that in, what is it that comes with you into a session? Uh, like what kind of knowings, like that's a knowing, is that knowing based on uh, your own relationship? You said you've had worked with illness in, in terms of the pericardium. Are you bringing your own experience of health and um, illness in? Are you, how much have you gotten from textbooks? How much do you get kind of downloads from spirit or whatever that comes from when in the moment with somebody or Mm -hmm. how would you speak to that? I think a lot of it, I would say most of it is from my experience. And then I love, I'm like my, some of my favorite conversations that I have and that I have ever had have been with people who are healers. Um, And I don't know what that's about. And I think I've actually been very like blessed, um, in my life and that I've always like found a handful of like very interesting practitioners who I've like been very resonant with. And it's like, I just feel like I get so much from conversations I have with, with people. Like there's a, someone I've mentored with for many years now who I met in North Carolina um, named Brian Huey. And he is an acupuncturist and I just talk on the phone with him once a week for years now. And it's just like conversation. And sometimes it's more kind of like what I'm going through and we'll talk about that. And sometimes it's more just like, I want to learn about this herb today. And he's just Hmm. like, he'll, we'll talk about it for like an hour. And it's just, so it's like people like that. And I've, like I said, I think I've been blessed to know many um, and I've, gained a lot. And I think I'm just someone who responds to that sort of like apprenticeship style of learning. And that's part of why I've dropped out of school a few times is because like, I don't like the textbook learning. I don't like the classroom thing. I don't like being lectured. I want to kind of get my hands dirty. And I also just like want a sort of like one-on-one style of, um, of learning, but, um, yeah. So I think those are the main things. There's a, there's a, a teacher of acupuncture. I love um, to study with named Jeffrey Yuen. He's pretty famous and he does a lot of like lecture kind of style classes and he's 
um, pre-pandemic, he would fly around the world and teach in many different locations. And I would sometimes go and it would be like big classrooms um, and like three day long lectures or something. Um, and now he's been doing them online. And I've, I try to do a couple a year, but um, th those are also always very interesting. Um, but but yeah, I don't know if that kind of. Yeah. Who are you when you walk in, say I'm on the table and you come in, is there a presence that um, relates to who you are as an artist? Is it very different? Are you listening in a similar or different way to um, clues or information coming in? Or I love hearing about these mentorships. First off, it makes sense. Like why, why don't we just have full acupuncture programs or something yeah. all based on mentorships when you think about like independent study? Cause I, I think we all have our unique way of really um, learning and becoming. Uh, so I'm a hundred percent for how, how can we work with who we are? And it sounds like you're getting that you're, you've been putting that together over the years. So I, I'm, I'm feeling like you've got a lot in you that already knows a lot um, about health and healing when you walk into room. And I understand the struggle with the degrees, mm -hmm. but um, which a lot of people are in right now and switching schools. And I mean, everybody I talk to their kids or whatever, they're all uh, just talk to my sister and he's going to do a semester here instead because everything's online. Everything is opening, shutting crazy. Yeah. Uh, but, but for you, what, how would you liken who you are as an artist and what I saw that ease and this kind of drawing these identities and what you see, right? There's something about what you see around you and then walking in a room and there's this knowing you have, say, even about the pericardium and chronic illness and then what you see and what you listen to. How do you, how do you feel like that shapes you kind of uniquely? Not trying to make your, you as like some special person, which <laughs> I think you are, but I just mean in general, you know, we have our unique ways of knowing. So what is that when you walk into a room? What, what's that like for you? What's available to you? Yeah, no, that's interesting. Um, gosh, it is, it is like art and and not like art at the same time. Um, but there's a level of presence that I think is necessary in the in the healing setting that, um, you know, I would like to say that that's like the same in art. And it, it's like the answer is that it, it can be, but I can also just be like zoned out and drawing. But um, mm -hmm. but I, there's a certain level of presence and attentiveness that I think is really crucial. Um, But and the similarity is is that a lot of it's about seeing with art. It's a lot of it is about like seeing what's there and and it, like if yeah. you're gonna sit down. Like I used to work um, at St. John's College in the laboratories, and um, they had a really cool program for students um, science program and one of the first exercises they did and I was like a teacher's assistant basically um was they take the kids out uh, it's called the meadow exercise and that you would say the kids would have sketchbooks and this was their science class and you'd say find a plant or find an alive thing one thing that you know is living and sit in front of it for an hour and draw it 
And they would be like, what for an hour? Like what? And <laughs> it, it was like, no, you're going to realize like it's, you're going to want more than an hour, but it was to try to draw exactly what you saw. And it's like, the more you look, the more you see and the more there, more there is. And it's just like, it's an amazing exercise. I thought it was brilliant. Um, and to be looking at something like a plant or whatever you're drawing and to not be like projecting what you think it ought to look like, or, um, you know, when you look at, at your page of what you're drawing for a minute and away from the plant and then look back and realize like, Oh my gosh, like, um, I think there is something similar with healing, like how to be looking at someone like that with like that degree of purity. Is that possible? Um, yeah. And the projection thing's a whole nother kind of level. Um, but that's just what came to my mind right now. I'm kind of like, that's, that's a beautiful story. You know, when I get on a table at this point in my life, the number one thing I, I do not tolerate, I, I really, I would have to get off the table if I, and I don't get on people's tables many, very often <laughs> is if I feel like I'm going to be fixed. Yeah, There's a feeling I can't take it. In fact, I, I have gotten to the point, I know this might be annoying, but I'll even say to a massage therapist, or if I do get on a table, which isn't often, uh, but I'll say, please don't fix me. Um, I've been fixed so much and I just, I really can't handle that. So you don't even, I'm not expecting to be a different person when I get off the table and we can go gentle, but anyway, so that when I heard you, I heard very specifically, not that. Um, yeah. And it, and it, I, I love that you say that. Cause like that is, I'm, I'm really sensitive to language. And like, if I hear someone speaking to me in that way, like fix, I'm going to fix you. It's just like, I need to get the heck out of here. Like yeah. you're such a horrible, and, and I, I've, so full disclosure, I've had a horrible, I've had many horrible experiences with Western medicine. And I'm just like, I, I understand it has its place and there's some miracle work that it does, but I, I just, I've had some horrible experiences and just one of the things that makes me cringe just like thinking about is like how they speak about the body it's like very other and it's very mechanical and it's very like we can go in and fix it or like press a button and it makes me feel horrible and I think um even even the language of the body and this was actually something Feldenkrais um the Feldenkrais method I thought did beautifully was completely kind of um reorganized the way I I think about how I speak about myself and I just started to hear how everyone will be like oh my body hurts or like this is wrong with my body or like this is and I was just like even the act of kind of saying body makes it other they're not saying like myself or like me they're saying like my body and it separates it and it's just like, I don't know, it's, it's, it's a problem for me. Yeah. Um, Did you think that makes you particularly effective with your treatments? Knowing that it isn't other? I don't know. I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know what I can say about myself, but like, I think like I was drawn to the Feldenkrais method as a method, um, because 
it's of its consideration of that aspect Mm -hmm. of that. Like it really, I mean, many, many other methods will talk holistic methods. will talk about the, the person as a whole person. Um, but the Feldenkrais method was so particular about, about language and about not saying body and not saying, Oh, my bad, my bad leg or something like that. My bad shoulder. Um, it was very cognizant of like how we spoke about ourselves. And I thought that was really, there was something subtle about that and, and extremely potent. Beautiful. And, and how do you liken that to um, making art and not getting in mm-hmm. into the, is it good? Is it bad? Yeah. It, it, how do you liken it to that? Yeah. Um, or over-evaluating or whatever yeah, it is. No, I love you're bringing in this like judgment co- component, which is similar. Yeah. It's similar what I'm saying about like how we judge our bodies and our, yeah. And all these things. And uh, that's my favorite thing actually about art. And I think I spoke to you a little bit about this is that for me, it's, it's kind of what I, it's one of the only, um, areas of my life where that happens naturally, where the non-judgmental component is a natural thing. And in other areas of my life, I, I try to, I mean, I work hard to try to notice when I'm judging and I am a very judgmental person, but, um, it feels like work, like with health, like with what I'm saying about body, like it was work to kind of like notice how I was speaking and to change it. But in artwork, it feels like a very like freeing space for me because I don't find myself being very judgmental. Obviously there's some amount of judgmental because there's like an aesthetic kind of sense going on where I'm like, does this look good? Does this not look good? Am I going to redo it? Did I get that right? But like, there's a way for me in which the like quote unquote mistakes that happen during artwork are so integral to it. And like, often what make a piece like for me is like something that was a perceived mistake that I either like ran with and changed and made it into something else. Or that just like somehow the like flaw integrates itself in like such an important way. Um, Mm -hmm. But it feels for me Yeah, I guess it feels for me like I have a very healthy relationship with artwork where like I don't feel like I don't feel like there's a lot at stake when I'm drawing or painting. I don't feel like it's like um, I don't feel like I need to prove anything to anyone. I don't feel like I need someone's validation around it. Like, obviously, I like when people respond to my stuff. I like when they like it. Like, that's cool. But it's not like that's my M.O., And it's not like there's so much pressure because of that. It just feels like something that happens and it's nice and it's easy to let go of and it's easy to get it out. And it's easy to not freak out about it being this great thing or I need to be known as an artist or something like it's, um, 
it's so easy. And I, I would, my wish for myself is that I can learn from that because I don't feel that way in other parts of my life. Um, I don't feel that sense of ease or like simplicity or I think I was telling you when you asked me about identity, like that is kind of my wish for myself right now that things do become simpler for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And, um, and that might be why I've been doing art for a very long time, but this is kind of the first time in my life I've been like, okay, like what if I give it a little more attention because it is a simple thing for me. And like, Mm-hmm. Can I learn from that? Um, yeah. Beautiful. I mean, it's so beautiful. Uh, we only have a couple more minutes, but I, I wanted to take you one more time into that space of healing. Okay. And imagine, because um, I got a whiff of something I, I feel like a lot of people don't have, and it was some relationship you had to chronic um, disease and the pericardium, for instance. Mm -hmm. And it was friendly relationship. I didn't feel restricted, you know, um, just listening to it, uh, being sensitive to, you know, if I was in that situation, what would that mean? But I'm just wondering, do you, is there a certain simplicity that you have when you go into a session with someone? Is there a certain ease of trust of knowing and knowing when you don't know? I mean, is there... Can you say a little more? Yeah. So I'm thinking you didn't use the word trust, but there is a definite sense of organic flow you spoke to with the artwork. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there's certain judgment about, is it, you know, do I need to redo it again? Do I like it on a certain level? But it's not actually in the middle. It's not getting in your way all the time and you just pulling your hair out and you can't take it. You can't, you know, it's like there's an ease to the process. I'm wondering, do you, is there an ease to the process or do you feel pressure that you have to help somebody if you're going to give them a, a, an acupuncture session? I, I don't have a ton of clinical experience with Chinese. Okay. Yeah. And so I think that's important to say to factor into this answer, but I definitely feel pressure. I definitely feel, especially when I was at school in a, which was a, a very clinical setting, which was not, if I had an office, it would not be like that. Um, it was very, I mean, they're making these schools very like hybrid Western medicine because they want the clout of Western medicine. So it was very kind of not my scene, I guess. Mm -hmm. So there was already kind of that kind of aesthetic problem in the way, but, um, yeah, I do tend to feel pressure because when someone comes to you, usually they want to, usually there's an expectation, I should say. Um, and that's hard. So, so that's what I was saying, kind of like the difference between maybe art and healing. Like one of the big ones is such a different relationship to projection because like in healing, there's a two-way projection happening. And like, there is some way that the patient wants to feel or expects to feel usually it depends on like where the patient's at but like usually there's something like that and I feel like then I have to kind of respond to like there's so many layers I feel pressure I'm not this is something I would love to work on and I I hope one day to have more um opportunity to be in a clinical setting because Uh, I get it. Yeah. I tell you, it's a beautiful answer. You know what I hear, and this is what comes, tell me what you think about this is that 
there are things that I come in with that are so natural to me and Mm -hmm. I do them. You know, I see this with my husband, he does them. Right. And then there's times when I stop doing even some of the things that I know I'm good at. I don't know why, but I go into an area that I'm, it, it's harder, mm-hmm. but there's something that wants to be known there for me. Mm. And, and I, I keep going, wow, maybe this, I don't know it, here I go. Uh, and then it seems over time, I am learning how to bring ease and more of myself into something that was, oh, I could never do that. Or do you know, like there's a, mm-hmm. Anyway, I'm just, does that speak to you at all? Because I think sometimes we take on things that aren't as easy, but are actually wanting us to bring in some more of who we are and that we might actually get really good at it. I mean, we might actually become really helpful to people on the table. Um, totally. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. That's, that is nice. And I think it's definitely like spot on. Well, Alex, we, we're going to stay in touch. Uh, yeah, I, I could send people, we'll put in the liner links, to your website, um, where they can buy one of these decks if they want to, or look at anything else. And thank you for coming on. Is there, um, anything else you want to throw in there? Are we, are we good to, to stop there for today? I think we're good. And I'm, I'm really grateful that you had me on. It was really uh, nice. Oh. Thank you for jumping on. I have to tell you, I don't interview quote unquote millennials very often. It's, <laughs> It's a treasure. It's yeah. a it's a thrill for me. Uh, I want to I want to hear and learn more. And I'm, I'm particularly drawn to how you obviously must be a delight to work with because of all these mentors that you have and people that enjoy coming together in these unusual spaces to share and pass on information. So um, I just have a feeling you are one of these carriers of wisdom, well, and I will see how that comes in over time. Thank you. That's- You're welcome. Thank you, Alex. Thank you so much. Well, that's today's podcast of Creative at the Wheel. Before we go, I want to invite you to check out my Creativity and Spirit Online Retreats. Experience for yourself the breakthroughs and support available when you engage your creative self in a safe and playful community. Begin here if you are ready to ignite your own transformational journey in a joyful way. You can also learn more about my one-on-one coaching offerings on my website, paintbiglivebig.com.